Welcome to the Learn Perform Mixtape. I'm your host for this podcast, Laura Pasquini. I created this podcast to prepare me and maybe you for the Certified Professional Learning and Performance Exam, the CPLP. These series of podcasts will be my open study notes. Welcome to the learning. On this episode, 8.2, we're going to talk all about the ethical guidelines and standards related to coaching conduct. It asks the question, what are the obligations of professional standards and ethical guidelines that govern a coaching relationship? So the learning objectives for ethical guidelines and standards of conduct related to coaching are discuss how the guidelines govern coaching and the relationship and detail the primary coaching issues with regards to privacy, confidentiality, conflicts of interest, and coaching relationship limitations. Although this section is not that long, it is very important to think about the business ethics of working with others as a talent development professional, specifically in the coaching role. So there's lots of ethical guidelines that are out there that kind of govern this, and professionals must be conscious of the effects of their products, services, and actions on organizations, employees, and their clients. So this includes following code of ethics for coaching conduct. Two of them they mentioned that I could find and related to are specifically the Association for Talent Development has a designated code of ethics outlining how to be self-managed talent development professionals. So clients and employers should expect the highest possible standards of personal integrity, professional competence, sound judgment, and discretion. So this was developed by the profession to essentially allow them to declare both the talent development profession's obligation to themselves and their integrity and to the profession and society. So they list different things within their ethics, specifically around striving right for the rights for human potential, rights and dignities, complying with copyright laws, maintaining confidentiality, supporting peers in conduct, as well as being honest in a manner and ethical as you approach situations. So a lot of this requires you to think about continuing the growth of the profession and supporting clients and representing credentials, qualifications, experiences, and abilities appropriately for workplace learning and development. That one's pretty straightforward and available for you to review in this episode's show notes. The second one I included was the International Coach Federation. So I mentioned that's the one that actually guides coaching to profession and the certification. So I'm not going to get into a whole lot of coaching details, but coaching related to talent development is important. Let me just share with you the different ethics, the ICF, that foundation has for coaching. So their code of ethics is really to maintain and promote excellence in coaching because they do certify as a certifying body. They really want to have the core values and the definition of coaching brought through their code of ethics. So these guidelines are focused around different areas. One is defining them. So defining what a coach is, what they agree to, what the relationship will look like, and what that kind of involvement will be from coach to client. Part two of this ethical conduct standards goes into a few different um, specific sections. So one is professional conduct at large. So how they'll interact and what they'll write and what they'll communicate that's lawful and not. So there's a few points in there. Section two talks about conflicts of interest, right? So we don't want to uh, disclose anything or be in an appropriate position where um, the role as a coach will violate something with the role of the client, whether it's related to compensation, power, other dynamics that might come into there that impact the stakeholders and clients you're working with. Section three of the ethics goes into professional conduct with clients. And so this is specifically around um, striving to create great meetings like we talked about, setting the foundation, the rapport, thinking about cultural sensitivity, having clear goals, um, having fine boundaries around any inappropriate or personal intimate relationships, and making any changes if you need to. 
Section four is specifically confidentiality and privacy. So how you maintain that with a client as a coach, having clear agreements between how coaching information will be only exchanged between the coach, client, and if there's a sponsor or an organization working with that coach. And also having clear arrangements if anything has been broken and putting that into writing. The fifth area is continuing development. So as a coach, this agreement for the ICF is continued ongoing learning and development for that coach to enhance their professional skills. So they have kind of a pledge of ethics that goes into how they will do this. But this is really helpful. And I think it's actually quite detailed, more so than ATD. So I'll put a link to the International Coach Federation's Code of Ethics that you can review as well. It's right on their website and it's very helpful to know. So standards within coaching um, vary depending on who and how you're working with. And you may also have to think about ethical behaviors related to trade practices and your own self-governing behaviors. So trade practices typically will be if an industry or seller or company has certain agreements. The organization might have typical contracts, maybe non-disclosures of what you can and can't say after you work with them. Or even they might have security clearances, background checks, things like that, depending on what kind of trade or profession or industry you're going to work with. And those behaviors will be guided by basic activities, contracting, developing, and maintaining. And those working within those guidelines will outline what those relationships will look like and what the standards of ethics are. Self-governing behaviors on the other side are when talent development professionals think about the practice that they want to bring with their values and their work. So this is being consistent with your own ethical behaviors aligned to whatever association you might be working with. So an example might be uh, the American Bar Association pretty much includes these basic values. And I think we all could agree to one of them is honesty, right? So your personal objective and commitment to being truthful and having only the truth. Another value would be fairness. So being impartial. So impartial to the relationships you're having within the organization and business and to the individual client or employee that you're coaching. Lawfulness is another value. So the observant of both the letter and the spirit of the laws that govern the business, that govern the industry, organization, and the laws of the land. So this could be related to workplace, could be related to certain customs, or it could be related to society laws and impacts and how you need to think about your coaching relationship. Uh, compassion is another value that you really want to bring forward. So you're working with people and they are human and they have personal and moral needs, right? So think about them in different ways, in different contexts that you want to be very sensitive to, um, depending on their own culture. Another value along with this is respect. So being cognizant that everyone has different ways of thinking, different perspectives, different ways to approach Uh, changes and coaching activities will impact their professional, but also their personal lives. And it might even challenge their own beliefs. Another value to consider is loyalty. So a sense of personal trust between individuals is critical, right? So we talked about this in 8.1, that last episode of coaching, just that you really want to have a strong foundation of trust so you can have confidence in conversations you have between the employee, that client your co- that you're coaching, and maybe even the organization. So uh, the one that hired you to coach their individual or teams, you set boundaries between um, and what you can and can't say, and you're loyal and you honor those uh, with your clients and the group that you're working with. And finally, the last value is dependability. So you really want consistent personal professional behaviors brought to your coaching standards, and you really want to exceed the coaching agreements, that action plan, and that contract you created with your coaching client. 
because you've set some standards for you to go towards and you want to exceed and help move your client forward. Those are just some of the values to think of as you're thinking about standards. I will say there are more legal, regulatory and ethical requirements talked about in an area of expertise six. That's the managing learning program. So we'll touch on that soon. In coaching, we know that privacy and confidentiality are really strong expectations the client and coach will want to maintain. This includes offering objectivity and confidentiality. Typically, outsider coaches are welcome as they are often unbiased and can focus on the client's success for coaching without any hidden or personal agendas. So oftentimes employers will find external coaches or they'll bring someone in to meet uh, their team. And additionally, if you are an individual seeking out a coach, you're going to really want to know that you trust the expectations and to allow this coach to support you take place. And you really want to know that it won't interfere or impact who you are on the daily basis on the job or your personal life. So one way to do this in thinking about um, setting up expectations is also to ensure that there aren't any conflicts of interest. So this might occur if a coach has an interest that impedes or interferes with the ability to act in the best interest of a client. So to avoid any personal gain or interest, coaches need to engage in a coaching agreement that avoids conflicts of interest. So the International Coach Federation, the ICF Code of Conduct, talks about that a little bit more in depth, like I mentioned. So please refer to that um, with what I've shared in the episode notes. And the ethic guidelines offer coaches suggestions such as avoiding misleading statements about their credentials and expertise. You don't want to say that you can do more than you can. You want to be open about any conflict of interest. You also want to disclose any potential conflicts, such as a third-party payment or an agreement you have with someone else that might interfere with that coaching relationship. You want to honor all contracts and agreements made in the context of the coaching relationship. Maintain the client's confidentiality, of course, as we said. Uh, You also want to manage, store, and dispose of any records related to this coaching experience. And then also providing only the best advice and coaching. Additionally, think about refusing personal, professional, or monetary things that might be to your advantage if it's not in line with the coaching standards and the expectations and agreements you set upon. And you want to respect the client's right to terminate the coaching relationship at any time. Setting clear and appropriate and culturally sensitive boundaries will help to govern anything that might come up, especially around physical contact. So outlining that at the beginning is really important to make sure everyone is comfortable. And finally, terminating the coaching relationship when someone else could be a better fit or offer better services for your client is important. Relationship limitations do happen and coach and client relationships are important to establish an agreement about these expectation and boundaries at the beginning. It is important to manage and set up the boundaries for the coaching relationship to determine if and when the coaching relationship will be terminated. So this could be around reaching a goal. So for clients, they either have their needs met or they've improved performance and they don't need coaching anymore. Clients might also end a relationship if they had a shift in personal or professional priorities, or if the coaching process doesn't meet their expectations. Uh, Clients may also want to end a relationship with a coach if they feel uneasy with the coach's style, approach, or personality, or they might even have to end it if the funding for the coaching program is eliminated or decreases. So those would be possible ways that there'd be limitations and a need to end that relationship. For coaches, they may need to terminate the coaching relationship because the client is no longer benefiting or the client's needs fall outside their jurisdiction. So their definition of coaching is specific. So if they need something more around counseling or mentoring, the coach will let them know that their time as a coach is up. 
If a client is disinterested or unavailable or negative or resistant, that's not making them very coachable. So a coach could end this relationship as well. Other reasons why a coach might terminate a relationship might be because they feel they're not the best person to coach the client. So they've realized they've reached their limit and maybe they could do better with another coach. Or they feel that the client has moved beyond the need for more coaching and they are finished uh, or they're going to move on to something else that will help them grow professionally in their learning and performance. So noted uh, pitfalls of coaching are a couple things, agreeing with the client when another response would be more helpful. So it's important to acknowledge what your client does, but you really need to give the appropriate feedback to develop receptivity in the coaching process. Uh, If you're too judgmental or rigid, this is really inflexible for coaches. So you really have to avoid being too opinionated. You want to share observations and offer thoughts, but be flexible in your thoughts and not too specific or pointed in what you're pointing out there for any feedback. And then another pitfall might be going too fast or too slowly for the client. So every client that you coach will have a different pace and you really have to individualize what that coaching plan is and what that pace looks like. So a few successful tips uh, we will use to wrap up this episode are coordinate activities from the start. So you really want to choose coaching initiatives that can help with success and get buy-in from your client or what that organization wants if there's a team involved. So get that set up and strong foundation of what's going to happen and what's going to look like. And um, going back to episode 8.1 is going through that format, what they expect for frequency, everything like that in your agreement. The next thing to do is encourage any managers to orient coaches and their clients about expectations for how it will benefit the individuals and the organization. So if a group has you come in to talk to a team or talk to one-on-one with some of their employees, make sure there's some set alignments of what that organization wants for performance and it meets what you've set up in your agreement with your individuals as well, those employees that you're coaching. You also want to be aware of any um, individual performer um, and senior manager and how you'll approach this as a coaching client because it's going to look different in their needs. Another suggestion would be to follow up with activities to improve performance and increase knowledge between sessions. So you're going to want to give them some tools uh, for research, maybe some text to read, um, some messages and articles to understand, and even suggest some networking opportunities all for homework. So they're doing something in between those coaching sessions. Remember that the competency model and tools for performance improvement may already be in place and that you don't necessarily have to start from scratch, but in other cases, organizations may not have a development plan within their org or individuals may be coming without any professional development plan or learning kind of goal. So you're going to have to start from scratch. You want to leverage various methods for collecting data, and this could include previous coaches' comments if they're coming from someone else, or anything else like an employee performance report or things that they have that are standards within their work culture and client. So they may have just kind of learning objectives and goals within the organization you want to leverage and use while you're measuring their outcomes for coaching. Top management support for coaching programs is critical for success. So it's really important that you always document the process of coaching. So coaching often requires you to evaluate, and this might be uh, specific instruments, or maybe you have meeting notes, reports, and logs you use from each session. 
Think of your documentation from every coaching session and every client that you coach as really critical because they recommend the maintaining, expanding, or eliminating of a coaching program. So you always want to keep a good track of records and every client that you're coaching, a good kind of portfolio of what they are working on, what they've accomplished, and what their needs are at any time. So when you go back into it, you understand where they're at. Well, that's it for the coaching area of expertise. Like I said, very small section, but still a very important role if you want to learn more. I think I do too. I put a link to uh, the International Coach Foundation website, like YICF. I also put a link to a colleague of mine who's been coaching for the last little while, gone through the training, and now she's actually offering coach training herself, and that's Dr. Katie Linder. She has some coach training coming up in 2020, and some listeners to the podcast may be from higher ed. So this is one of the few training sessions and courses that will actually um, allow you to focus on coaching individuals and others in higher education and colleges and universities. So check it out. I've put a link to her introduction to the program, uh, her website, and her new podcast called Coached Coach. So there's a little plug for someone I know that's working on coaching and someone I would consider taking training from after I work on this training and learning of my own. Thanks for listening. And I hope you're enjoying coaching. If you are, if you have some resources where other people can go check out trainings, coaching trainings, uh, coaching reads, websites, articles, resources, let me know. I'd love to take a look at them and have a read. Thanks for listening to the Learn Perform Mixtape. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, give me a like and give me a review. If you're studying for the CPLP or you have already, let me know. I'd love to chat and I'd love to get your advice. Comments, questions, thoughts, and love are always welcome. And I have my details in every episode notes. So please reach out. Let's connect.